There are certain skills, critical skills, that you need, that we all need, not only to get ahead in our lives, but also to ensure a successful path forward for our children and for the survival of our constitutional republic. You're listening to All About Skills, where we discuss the eight critical skills you need to succeed and how CEOs, placement directors, executive recruiters, and career-minded individuals utilize them to propel themselves to a higher level of understanding and achievement. Get ready to learn, master, and excel with your host, Charlie Jett. Thank you, Anne, and welcome to It's All About Skills. My name is Charlie Jett, and we're coming to you from our studio in beautiful downtown Chicago. I'm an internationally certified coach, and I specialize in career management, skill development, positive intelligence, and career crises. And we have a wonderful guest today. As a master coach, Hugh Shields is one of the top leadership and career coaches in business today and is the co-founder of Shields Menley Partners, one of the nation's leading career transition and executive coaching firms. Hugh's experience fits his role as an advisor to executives in transition. He has extensive profit and loss, strategic development, sales and marketing and operations experience, in a variety of industries, including professional services, specialty chemicals, electronic, electronics and controls, and electrical products. In short, Hugh is a guy who really knows what he's talking about. His clients appreciate his peer-to-peer -peer straight talk, his straight talk way of helping them see, own, and overcome their leadership blind spots. The result is that his clients are better able to achieve the results they want for their careers and for the organizations they lead. It's a privilege to have Hugh as our guest. So, so welcome, Hugh, to It's All About Skills. Well, thank you, Charlie. It's uh, terrific to be here today, and I appreciate you uh, calling on me. Well, I thank you for your time, and let's have some fun. And to start, let's go back a few years and have you tell us a little bit about where you grew up and where you went to school. Absolutely. Well, actually, that's more than a few years ago, Charlie, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I uh, grew up in uh, uh, the town of Erie, Pennsylvania. My, uh, uh, my uh, father had a manufacturing facility in Erie, a small uh, manufacturing plant. And uh, so I, I, I grew up in that uh, uh, in that business environment, uh, knowing that, you know, what it's like to uh, succeed in manufacturing. And uh, went, to, um, uh, went to grade school uh, in Erie and then uh, went on to um, a boarding school in New Jersey, uh, uh, where I um, uh, had a lot of experience in, you know, uh, preparing uh, for uh, college and uh, learning a lot about uh, being on, on your own. And then, uh, once uh, uh, after that, I went on to uh, college, uh, to Washington Jefferson College, uh, where I majored in, uh, in a double major in uh, sociology and psychology, uh, both. And uh, I, I was just because that's what I enjoyed at the time. I, I frankly, I didn't have any uh, major, uh, you know, or, or singular career focus on what I was going to do in my career, but uh, I knew it was going to involve people um, and 
um, likely, uh, you know, and having my, my dad as a role model, it was probably going to be in manufacturing because I, uh, I really loved to be around the, the, the plant that he had. So um, uh, I, um, I ended up um, uh, graduating and then moving, moving into uh, consulting. I did a year, uh, well, two years with a small consulting firm. And then uh, while I was doing that, I was getting my uh, MBA. Uh, I decided to just stay in here in uh, Gannon University and I uh, uh, was able to get my, uh, my MBA while I was uh, working for the consulting firm. And then I went out into the, uh, uh, you know, into the, the big, big bad business world. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, you, you mentioned uh, you didn't have a real specific knowledge of what you wanted to do in your career. And that's pretty typical of, of people who graduate these days. And it's, you know, it's quite, quite normal that people uh, wind up doing things in their lives and their careers that they never thought they would do before. And, but when you entered the business world after your consulting experience and that sort of thing, what were the essential skills that you thought at the time that you would need to succeed? Yeah. Oh, great question. I, I know it, it, uh, it, it has certainly changed over the years, uh, but um, I, I think that, uh, you know, at that time, work ethic was really important. I knew I could look around me and I, I could use uh, my own father is a, an example. Uh, you know, he was very clear about uh, work ethic and, uh, uh, you know, the need to really uh, uh, engage uh, with people and, and, you know, doing your best and, and working long hours. So uh, work ethic, certainly technical skills at the time seemed very important to me. Um, you know, I, I was, uh, I went into the marketing area. I started out in marketing, then went into sales. So uh, I knew that technical skills were going to be important. Um, uh, management, uh, knowledge of management and developing my management skills uh, early on was Im important to me. And then uh, analytics, uh, because I was in marketing, I had a pretty heavy uh, analytics uh, experience in, in uh, graduate school. And, um, and then people and teams. I knew I was going to be working with people. And so uh, team development, working with teams, I knew would be, uh, would be critical. And those skills served you well, I, I assume. And, but tell us a little bit about that. You, in your business career, you served in different capacities that you said involved sales, marketing, and then operations and general management. And what did you find as you look back after those experiences to be the essential skills that were most useful to you in becoming successful? Yeah. Well, I, I learned pretty quickly, Charlie, that there's this thing called culture out there. And uh, I, uh, early on, I, I would, obviously I was a little naive uh, uh, coming out of school and going into the business world. And I kind of thought that cultures were pretty similar, that it was, you had this homogenous mix of people coming together and and they were all pretty uh, similar from company to company. And now uh, almost, uh, you know, over 40 years later, <laughs> I've learned that culture is paramount. That is uh, the, the values that uh, companies uh, exude as the, and behave uh, day to day is absolutely 
uh, determinant on uh, how uh, that uh, company functions and what they believe and, and what they represent. And so, um, you know, certainly uh, culture, being able to read people uh, is important. Um, um, and then uh, having respect for people, uh, absolutely paramount from the person, the maintenance person uh, to the CEO, uh, you know, that's, that's uh, critical. And then, of course, uh, integrity and ethics. I mean, I'm, I'm a believer that you have to operate from a, you know, a, a fundamental uh, foundation of, uh, of ethics. And, um, and I, I've felt that that's just served me very well in my career. And uh, it, I, I'm in a business, Charlie, that where uh, the ability for my clients uh, to trust me, uh, to respect me is absolutely critical. Even if they don't um, like to hear what I'm telling them, uh, they, uh, if I do it from a, a basis of trust and respect, they know that I'm doing it in their best interest. Well, that's for sure. And, you're, and you and your firm certainly have rep a great reputation for ethics in business. Now, you, you mentioned that you, were a, you, you ultimately became a general manager and where you were not just in, involved in one specific function like marketing or finance or something like that. And as a general manager, what was the biggest challenge you faced uh, in your business career? Yeah, well, it was, it was probably, um, uh, I had uh, exited a, a really long career with Emerson Electric, which was a great experience. And that was where I, I really was able to break into general management at 32 years old, they had me running a small division of Emerson Electric, which wow. 20, at that time, 20, $23 billion company at that time. And, uh, and, and from there, I just, just kept going and going. And then after about 12 years there, I exited and went to the Valspar Corporation and they had a, um, they had a small division there. Well, uh, not necessarily small. It was based in uh, Chicago, but also had, uh, uh, California and a Mexican operation. Uh, and we, um, uh, I, I, you know, I, I went in there uh, believing that this just needed some, you know, a little bit of uh, punch on the top line. And that uh, if I, you know, if I got the revenue back going again, everything was, was good. And uh, it took me uh, about a day on the, on the job to figure out that it was a total mess. I mean, it, it was, <laughs> this was a major turnaround. And when you go back to the chairman and the CEO and uh, get them together and have a conversation two weeks after you've been on board to say, I know you think you got a little gem here, but uh, uh, the gem has definitely lost its luster. And in 18 months, you're going to be coming to me telling me to shut this down if we don't get this turned around and in a dramatic way. So all of a sudden, they, I was fortunate they were behind me and they said, okay, tell us what you need to get the job done. So um, I went in and I had to do a, a, a turnaround. I, I had to, um, uh, basically what I did was I, I divested pieces of the business that were non-core, really we shouldn't have been in those businesses and used that to fund 
the core business and really beef up the core business and get you know better talent in. That was probably the one of the major things I did in a turnaround like that was just to get good quality talent uh, into the organization because it was very uh, mediocre at best. And then uh, restructured it, uh, went into some new markets uh, that I identified and, and really built the business back. And it was a great success story afterwards. Uh, four years later, we sold it for a, a great model bowl. Uh, the, the, the company was uh, very happy and I went on my way uh, with a, a nice severance package after selling it. Well, by that time, you had certainly built up a great skill profile of uh, not only different functional areas, but in general management. And then you started, you went out on the end of the diving board and thought to be, let's go be an entrepreneur. So right, uh, right. what led you to starting Shields Mentally, Mentally Partners anyway? Yeah, well, uh, Gail Manili and I started uh, the firm uh, back in uh, 2003, but it was after uh, spending five years at a uh, at a large uh, a larger uh, company that uh, that was in the outplacement industry, and they had uh, uh, developed we we had helped them develop a strategy to really look at the very top, the senior executives, and uh, and help them with career transition. And, and some uh, uh, coaching, a little bit of coaching and development. But um, we, you know, we got uh, frustrated uh, because they, you know, they, they weren't, it was a, a larger corporation. They, they weren't very nimble in how they, uh, they approached it. And we decided that we wanted to take it and really turbocharge it and take it to a higher level. Um, and we knew that we, we would never be able to do that internal to a big uh, company. So we looked at each other in the eye and we talked to some of the others and said, you want to do this? We can, we can go out and uh, do this on our own. And I'll tell you, we, we never had uh, any lack of faith uh, that we would not be successful. I mean, we, we, we just, I don't know, there was, it was just a, uh, maybe a confidence of, maybe having done it a bit, you know, for several years. And then, uh, you know, in, a, in, in, the, uh, in the larger corporation, but then going out and doing it on our own just seemed like such a natural path. And, um, and so what we did, and, and one of the important things that we did, Charlie, when we started it was we surrounded ourselves with really great people. I mean, fantastic people uh, in Chicago. And we were just privileged to have, uh, we started an advisory board that is, uh, I, I mean, it would be the equivalent of, a, of a, certainly a Fortune 500 advisory board. I, uh, I, can, I can second that. Having looked at those uh, at your advisory board, you sure certainly have some talent on there. Absolutely. And they come from, you know, all areas from private equity, from uh, the corporate world consulting, and they all bring different perspectives. And uh, our, our board meetings are, are amazing. I mean, we have, uh, we do a recap at each, uh, at the beginning of each board meeting of, they each give a, an industry sector uh, evaluation of what's going on. And it is fascinating. But these folks really helped us to, um, you know, they, they helped us with our clients. They would talk to, they, they talked to our clients and help, help them 
uh, in their networking. They help us with our business. I mean, we pretty much opened everything up to them and uh, in our strategic planning. And they, over the years, they have given us a great uh, counsel um, because everyone, everyone needs uh, some, uh, at least one other person or others around them to provide them uh, we'll, we'll call it mentoring, but it's 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 independent counsel is what it is, and it's it's their ability to kind of see, look at your operations. That, uh, you know, as an operator, you're so close to it. They they they're able to give you the perspective of you know what that's uh, what you know where some of the blind spots are. You know what uh, corrections you need to make strategically. And uh, yeah, we really, we benefited from that a lot. And so that, that got us going. And we, um, you know, we, we, uh, we had a, a, um, a person by the name of Bill Wardrop who was uh, in the real estate industry, but an incredibly intelligent guy who helped us, you know, structurally put the business together. And then, um, uh, and then till we, we got some, uh, investors to, you know, private uh, investors uh, to, uh, you know, invest in our company. And, um, you know, we had them all paid off within three years. And uh, it was a, it was a great thing. And we jumped into it with both feet and just said, you know, we're going to make this work one way or another. And, uh, and we were uh, very fortunate that it, uh, it worked out well. And you certainly were successful, Hugh. And, and, uh, and I have to admire you for having the recognition that in order to really be successful, you demonstrated the, uh, the attributes of a good leader and surrounding himself or herself with good people and not being afraid to take advice from others that maybe, right. maybe are smarter than you are. And can, exactly. as you said, give you different perspectives and so forth. So, after you uh, you formed the firm and 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 build it to a, toward a success, tell me a little bit about the evolution of the firm from the time you and Gail started the business to where you are today. You know, in terms of services to different organizations and uh, perhaps services to individuals. Sure, sure. Well, we we really have a very unique uh, unique firm. Charlie, and we're, I, I would say at, at a high level, um, we built Shields Manili to provide very uh, a customized uh, service to senior execs. So, um, you know, we, we generally uh, in our practice work at the board level, CEO, C-level direct reports, and then their direct reports. So EDP, SVP, and that's, that's, that's our, uh, that's our market. That's where we play. And, um, and we've been very, um, it's been very important to us that we stay at that level. There, you know, it's, it's easy to get tempted to go uh, down market. Uh, but uh, even, um, you know, even in, in uh, tighter times, you know, during the Great Recession, it would have been easy for us to go down market but we decided not to do that to stick to our knitting and uh and, and stick with it but um we so uh, it's very customized we 
we work with each person, uh, we build a program around each person. And the, the service platforms that we provide include uh, executive, uh, senior executive career transition services, which is uh, the, the, the larger part of our business. But then we have uh, executive coaching and development uh, where we work with uh, senior executives who are in place uh, and help them with their leadership skills. I know Charlie, uh, with Charlie Jet Consulting, you do a lot of that work yourself with uh, positive intelligence and uh, you know the impact that you can have on, uh, on an executive who you know, is uh, very successful, but uh, they need someone to talk to, to be able to share uh, you know, their inner thoughts. And, um, and once you become that trusted advisor uh, to them, they open up and they tell you those things that they would never, ever mention to anyone uh, internal to an organization uh, because it's too politically uh, you know, fraught with minefields. So, uh, so that uh, you know, coaching is uh, the second uh, vertical. Uh, then we do executive assessment, which uh, is we have, a, we have a PhD psychologist across all of our services. Uh, uh, we feel it's very important to assess people. And uh, our PhD psych psychologist is highly experienced uh, and um, he's very good at really getting to the core of what, what those issues are. And by the way, the, um, uh, the, the, the psychological testing that is used today is unbelievably accurate. Every one of our clients that goes through the assessment process even those that are very skeptical of assessment and say, hey, can we skip this and get, get to the real part? Uh, afterwards, they come out and they go, you know, you, you were absolutely spot on. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, you were able to really extract that out of the, uh, the testing. So that's, uh, that, that uh, executive assessment is done really mostly for private equity firms to assess their uh, and their senior talent coming into their portfolio companies. And it's a lot of it's to help them. How do we, how do we work with this person? What, what's their, how do we motivate them? Cause they're, you know, they're all really strong uh, financial experts. Um, but when it comes to the, you know, the human skills, it's, it's a little softer area for them. So they're, they're really wanting to understand how they can uh, work with those operators and and really um, get them uh, motivated well, and then not, finally uh, finally is succession planning and we yeah. we work with uh, boards etc uh, for uh, succession uh, defining succession planning for uh, the CEO and, and direct reports well it sounds you like uh, you really made use of your one of your majors of psychology in direct application of that to the business world. And, you know, I'm impressed by the fact that you're, you're not, uh, you decided not to be a traditional uh, kind of a firm that just deals with people who are in outplacement, but you've gone way beyond that. You, right. uh, you've recognized markets that, uh, and, and needs of organizations that, that uh, actually help them in a great sense. Uh, as opposed to just uh, taking care of somebody who 
maybe uh, in transition to another organization. And so you've sort of, how, does, how do you sum up a little bit on how, how uh, uh, the, the firm of Shields Manili Partners, your brand has changed over the years? I think you've touched a little bit on it, but can you right, right. focus on that? Well, I, I think uh, the, basically when we started, uh, we were 90% Chicago-based, and uh, we were uh, almost all career transition. We were, again, probably 90% career transition, 10% coaching. Well, that has totally changed now. I mean, we are, we are national in scope. Probably 20 to 25% of our business is in Chicago, but it's all over the U.S., and and uh, frankly, through social media, we've been able to push ourselves out into the, the national market. And, um, and we've, we've tried to create a brand that, and, and we have been dogmatic about uh, making sure that, uh, you know, everything we do is of the highest possible quality. Uh, all of uh, the people in, in my organization and the team uh, are, you know, just uh, very skilled in what they do. And uh, my, my current partner now, uh, Bob Ryan, uh, has a, a terrific background and, uh, you know, and has been a senior exec himself. So, you know, we've used uh, that um, peer relationship uh, approach with our clients where uh, they see us as someone that is uh, that they can work with, uh, that they that has a lot of experience, and and frankly, the what we bring to that brand is uh, our you know uh, decades of both um, uh, operational experience in corporate America, but also uh, the skills that are needed to be successful in working with uh, senior executives and helping them and and getting them to hear. You, what you are trying to tell them in their coaching, and frankly, to provide straight talk to them. I mean, that's been probably uh, one of the hallmarks of our brand because senior execs today, they don't get straight talk. I can assure you, uh, they, the, the higher you go up in an organization, the less feedback that you get. And to a wise executive, they will be very suspect of uh, of the kind of uh, feedback uh, that comes up to them. So it's, you know, it's something that when they come to us, our, you know, our mantra, our, our absolute commitment to them is to give them the straight scoop, to tell them exactly, you know, when they're, when they're doing well, what they're doing well, but also to tell them, you know, that through this pattern recognition that we've gained over many years, to tell them when they're about to step on a landmine and to <laughs> sidestep. Well, I can see how they would value straight talk, and you, you, Hugh, I can tell you, you're known for that, and uh, and it's it certainly has value. Now, as you look back in this career that you've had, with uh, not only in your business career but in the development of Shears, uh, Shields Manili, uh, you've you've been able to see that uh, various executives have certain critical skills that they need to succeed. And, you know, a listing of these skills may change in terms of priorities by industry, by company, by function, and even over time. So 
So the the following the, the questions I'm going to ask you may be a little difficult to answer, but try to do it in general terms. And what do you consider to be the most important skills executives need to be successful today, and how have they involved, evolved over the years? Yeah. Oh, it's it's a great question because uh, you know after doing this for almost 25 years now, I've seen uh, some definite. Uh, trends and changes. Um, uh, I, I would say probably number one in my mind would be uh, EQ. Uh, so emotional intelligence is so important. And if you are an, an executive and you lack EQ and all you have is technical skills, um, you're, you're, you're doomed to either fail or to be marginalized over time and to be the, the tech guy. But uh, if anyone who's been in a general management type position knows that uh, you have to have strong uh, relationship skills or you will not succeed. Uh, it's, just, it's just a fact. Um, uh, leadership skills are, are aligned with that. And you know, obviously some of these will be overlapping that I described. But you know, your ability to lead and motivate uh, and to provide a, you know, a vision um, to the employees of where you're going and to keep reinforcing that, uh, that vision is, is really important and developing a very uh, healthy strategy. So uh, strategic acumen is important. And then um, managerial courage, you know, the ability to you know, to tell people tough things. And, you know, over, over the years, I've found in my own case that when I've had to give really tough uh, messages and, you know, in that example, I gave you the turnaround, I had to lay off <laughs> a third of the workforce. And it, it's not easy to do that, but, um, but to, to do it in a way that people understand the why behind it. And then, that they have a clear vision of what's ahead. So yes, we're going to make some sacrifices short term here for the for the longer term gain. That's that's really really important. And then um, uh, critical thinking, uh, you know, analytics and uh, for any executive are important. And you've got to be able to see through market trends, et cetera, and have um, you know have those problem solving skills to attack. Very difficult questions. I mean, I've seen, I'll tell you, in the the, the thousand plus uh, executives that we've worked with in transition, believe me, Charlie, I have heard probably heard it all in terms of, you know, how these things uh, evolve in terms of exiting the company. Uh, and sometimes it's uh, voluntary, sometimes it's involuntary, but, uh, you know, it's it's really kind of amazing, uh, but you, it, it's Im important that one of the things that I, I've found is that peer relationships are really, really important and developing those peer relationships because in 360s that we do, you know, boss, peers, subordinates, as, as you've done many times yourself, um, uh, typically the, uh, you know, the peers are the toughest, uh, graders, if you will, you know, uh, because there's an inherent, there, there's no 
the relationship, the pure relationship is based on influence. It cannot be based on, uh, you know, on authority or level. Uh, and so there's no one has the, you know, the, the ultimate hammer on the other peer. So they, they, you have to be able to, uh, to get along. And then communication is critical. Well, you know, um, looking back and kind of restricting it a little bit to the past five years or so, because things are changing so fast, just in current terms and looking a little bit ahead in the future, for individuals who have been, let's say, let go, so to speak, and they are in, in, in transition, what seems to you to be the major skills they need to sharpen when seeking new opportunities? And you did mention EQ, emotional intelligence, as one. What are some of the others? You bet. Um, well, uh, we, that's one of the questions we ask them uh, when they go through our program is, uh, you know, particularly transition. Uh, obviously, with coaching, that's a, a core question. But um, when we ask them, what would you like to develop while you're, uh, you know, in this transition process? And it, it's, it, it's interesting. We... Uh, a few of the, the common answers are um, conflict management. Um, most executives, you know, have, uh, it's a challenge to them and it's a work in progress. They never actually achieve where they want to be with conflict management, but um, being, gaining some help, you know, in terms of how to better uh, handle themselves when they get into those situations is of interest. Um, uh, you know, driving results is, is so critical, uh, you know, to any senior position that, um, you know, being more effective in how they drive results. So there's a whole number of verticals, like you mentioned time management earlier. Uh, it's always important, you know, <laughs> I'm working on the, the critical things that are driving the business, or is this just kind of because you're interested in it, right, that you're doing it. So, and then, um, and then ultimately career development. They, they very few have, I, when I first came into this business, I thought, you know, a lot of these people had, had the plan, right? When they were, uh, you know, at an early age. But what I found, there was only, uh, only a handful of uh, clients that I've worked with that uh, one was, uh, was the CEO of a Fortune 50 company and at age eight, he had said to himself, I'm going to be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. And he did it, right? And, and he, was, he was driven, went to Harvard, you know, did, did everything the appropriate way. But that's not how 95% of the, <laughs> you know, the working world get there. I mean, there are uh, the ones that have been successful tend to seize opportunities when they see it. Um, they, they go out there and they go beyond what the boss is asking them to do. And they, they determine what needs to be done that can you know, really push the, the organization forward. And, and they do it. Um, and, and that seems to be uh, that the career management piece of it is, uh, is something they neglect a lot. And it can't just be, you cannot approach your career just from an opportunistic standpoint. It's, it's gotta be planned. And that's, that's what we do with our clients is really help them put that plan together. And then throughout their career, 
um, you know, touch touch base and make sure that they're implementing that plan. Well, you know, in in uh, you mentioned uh, that you've you uh, have worked with a lot of people that have become very successful and you know, that must give you a great deal of professional satisfaction when you see somebody that really, really, really succeeds. And with, with that in mind, and with people like that, what have you seen, uh, you know, in, you know, recently in the, you know, in the near, near term past to be the best practices when executives think and make decisions about their careers and their goals at, when, they're, when they're in career transition? Right. Well, I'll tell you, most uh, executives, uh, when they come into a career transition, um, they, uh, you know, they, they think of a career transition in terms of when they were middle managers and, and some haven't gone through a career transition uh, since that time. And they think that it's something that's going to happen in, a, you know, in three or four months. And uh, at this level, it's, that's just not the case. As a matter of fact, if you talk to the, the search firms, they'll tell you that, you know, it, it takes, and with your experience in search, Charlie, you know uh, that it, it takes quite a while. It takes many months to uh, complete a search, uh, you know, in, in, an, in, in the normal world. Now with COVID, it's, uh, it's been interesting because it actually has uh, tightened up uh, the, the the search timelines a little more, but uh, pr you know prior to COVID, what was happening is more and more people were getting uh, companies wanted more collaboration in in the decision making process, so they they put more people into it, and you know the search folks uh, would get uh, tend to get frustrated because the more people you get into it, the longer it takes. Uh, period and. So, you know, these searches can, uh, can really take uh, quite a while, but for those, uh, so there has to be an element of the patience that this is a marathon, this is not a sprint. And, um, and it's really gaining insight uh, into who they are and what they do is so critical because again, they don't get feedback. So having obje an objective third party provide, you know, insight into, um, you know, who they are, what they are, uh, is really important. And, and we believe in, in the assessment process that finding the, what we call the money ball, right? So everybody has, a, and it's usually a cluster of competencies that when you put them together, it's, it, sometimes it's a singular one, but usually it's two, three, four, that when you put them together, it creates a very unique individual and a unique set of skills that define that person. Yeah. Uh, for example, uh, let, me, let me give you an example. I had a um, client, uh, a CMO of a um, large corporation here in Chicago, um, and he decided that um, he was going to exit and he wanted to wanted me to help him put together what we call a portfolio life. And portfolio life is for those that are not seeking traditional reemployment. So the nine to five, uh, 24 seven uh, job tied to the bow of the mothership, right? They, they want, we build platforms for them to uh, look at, uh, you know, uh, a collage of, uh, you know, different um, uh, 
uh, goals and objectives that they want to put together that bring them great uh, satisfaction. So in, in this case, this, um, the CMO had, um, uh, we determined that data analytics was really uh, his money ball because he had a, as part of their organization, they, they had a database of executives that is uh, probably one of, the, one of the top in the world. And so uh, more and more, there are companies out there that are trying to uh, that monetize their data. And so uh, we put him forward to, he wanted to get on, uh, on three boards, uh, wanted to teach at a, uh, at a local university here. Uh, and then uh, he wanted to help out McKinsey with uh, uh, help that 30 year old close the uh, close the deal uh, part time. So we put this together, he implemented it and he achieved it. Uh, it took him about uh, 14 months. But and I, and, uh, I, I want to hold out here, Charlie, to get on three public boards uh, for, you know, uh, uh, a 59 year old male. Uh, is is a tough thing to do uh, in this environment, but but it was that data analytics and companies wanting to understand how they monetize that that really helped him. That was the money ball that that got him in. So it's really understanding uh, yourself, who you are, and then really what you want to do next. And you know, some people feel that you know maybe they've been the CFO of a food manufacturing company, and they want to they come in and they say, Hugh. I want to be the CFO of food manufacturing again. And, and, you know, my first response is, well, that might be the right answer, but let's go through uh, the, uh, the assessment and let's see how, uh, how that looks on the other side. And in some cases, it confirms, you know, what you've been doing is absolutely uh, the right thing to do. So keep doing it. And, and for others, it's, Boy, you know, there are other things out there because we look at, at uh, interests in, in the testing. And we know that if we find the interests, we will, uh, that, that person will be successful. Because to get to this level, you know, in corporate America today, I mean, the, the bar is so high that these are all smart people. They all have IQ, high IQs. We don't even test for that. Uh, it's irrelevant. Uh, that's a, that's a self-selection uh, uh, attribute that's always there. So it's really, um, really just uh, getting yourself prepared and then going at this for the, the long haul and then uh, being prepared for all of the pieces of this, the networking, the, you know, knowing how to network with people and how to, what you want to get out of networking from that individual you're networking with and having a, an agenda in your mind uh, before you go into it. Um, and all, all of those are you know, important to really getting to the outcome. And then the other thing is um, you know, it's compensation. You know, it's really understanding how important is comp to you? Because it's, I'll tell you, I've been fascinated after 25 years of really uh, pressing every executive as to how important is comp to you and truly and and what does it mean to you what does it represent and really at the end of the day for most not all but for most it's it's a measure uh, you know it's a 
It's a measuring stick. And they just want to know that they're getting uh, compensation that is at least at market, right? So that's why, you know, at the end point, when they're negotiating, we're helping them negotiate in the background uh, that, that new role with, with, we bring in employment lawyers, et cetera. But we also do a comp study to see how does that offer stack up against, um, you know, uh, usually a dozen other uh, companies and uh, what they're compensating their senior exec in that same, same or similar uh, position, same or similar industry. So it's, it's, it's really understanding where they are in the marketplace, how much they want comp. And, and for some, and for many, you know, they've, they've done very well in their career from a compensation standpoint. And oftentimes they've just sold their business. They come in doing high fives and saying, hey, you know, the world is my oyster here. Help me figure out what's next. I, I, you know, I have people that come to me that say, I have no idea what I want to do next. I have no idea. I can. <laughs> I'll bet that's I pretty do. normal too. I bet that's more normal. It is. Than it's more prevalent than than you than than I had thought, uh, you know, beforehand. Because I, I I had always thought people were pretty predisposed to you know one 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 career direction. So. Wow. Hey Hugh, you know uh, you mentioned uh, something that uh, is important, and there are oftentimes in the world there are these unanticipated forces that that impact businesses of all kinds all over the place. And you mentioned COVID. So, you know, from your perspective, uh, you know, kind of bottom line it a little bit uh, because it's such a broad topic. You know, you see a wide variety of businesses. You have your own businesses, business. So how has the COVID pandemic altered the world of work now? And what do you think might be its impact for the future? Yeah. Well, it's a big question, Charlie, and, and just about, well, virtually every executive I talk to, I mean, that's top of mind today, right? Uh, where is this going? We know where, where we've been through this, uh, uh, you know, uh, amazing uh, journey through the pandemic, but, you know, wh- how will this change things in the, in the future? And I, I personally believe that there has been a reset here, and uh, just as uh, we saw after the, um, you know, after the Great Recession, uh, we we saw people coming into us who, you know, prior to that wanted bigger companies, bigger scale, more scope of responsibility, and then they downsized to, uh, I want to go into a smaller company, maybe private equity back that I can I can drive uh, strategy quickly, but. Uh, with COVID now, it, it's really caused people to, to reevaluate their, you know, how they think about work. And, and, and then, uh, you know, for senior execs, uh, you know, uh, how do these millennials, uh, you know, how are they reacting to this? Because I just uh, saw a, uh, it was a, uh, some research that was done two months ago that just roughly, 90% of executives wanted everyone back in the office on some kind of, a, you know, either hybrid or permanent basis. So 90% of the CEOs really were, you know, focused on that. And at the same time, uh, almost, almost 90% of millennials were saying, hey, we like what we're doing on this remote work uh, 
environment just fine and don't really feel there's any need you know, to, to change it. So, so you've got some clashing um, uh, objectives here that are, are going to have to be worked through. And I suspect, uh, you know, particularly as, as COVID goes through, uh, we're going to start continue to see these this bouncing of up and down of variants that uh, come through uh, to some degree, and uh, so during that time, I think you know uh, everyone's primary concern is safety, right, and uh, keeping everyone healthy. And so I, I think we're going to see um, uh, more uh, remote working and hybrid uh, type uh, environments. And, and the office itself is going to have to be, you know, uh, rethought, reorganized. Uh, I know in talking to the real estate, the commercial real estate people in, in, in Chicago right now, um, they're, you know, they're just pulling their hair out because uh, they, they see a very ugly wave coming at them of uh, just companies downsizing their footprints. And uh, it's, it's going to have long-term uh, effects on, on everyone. But at the end of the day, it, if, if senior execs are listening to their people and, and, and doing what they truly believe is the right thing uh, in the interests of the, uh, the safety and health of all their employees, you know, they'll, we'll work through this and we'll get it done. Well, I'm sure they will. And uh, you're right. It's, uh, they're going to have to take charge of their and take take note of their vast experience to adapt to these uh, unforeseen circumstances. Well, we could spend a whole day talking about the impact of COVID, and, but we've got to move forward just a little bit. And, you know, to kind of sum things up, uh, with your vast knowledge of not only your corporate and all that experience, and particularly your experience with dealing with executives in the past uh, few few uh, years and that sort of past 20 some years let's just suppose that you just finish are finishing a commencement address at, at a high school and you're talking to some very bright young people and you want to sum up what Hugh Shields has learned over the career in three or four pieces of advice for these young people in terms of pursuing their careers in the current world we face what would those three three or four things be? You bet. Well, you know, as I look back on, on my career, I, I've been incredibly unfortunate. Uh, and, you know, I, the other thing, uh, luck always plays a, a part in uh, careers, right? And uh, you've got to have, uh, have uh, the right breaks and, and uh, be networking with the right people. But, uh, and I've, I've, I've been fortunate to work with incredible people that I've learned a lot from uh, my clients uh, throughout my, my career. But I, I would say to those people, you know, uh, be, uh, first of all, get, get feedback, solicit feedback, ask for feedback. This is the foundational insight that everybody needs to, um, you know, to, to understand themselves uh, both their strengths and developmental areas, and and to uh, to go forward. So, uh, if the company isn't giving it to you, ask for it, right? And if the company isn't providing it, you know, through coaching, etc., then set up uh, your own uh, little uh, career board of uh, advisors, if you will, and and uh, 
get, get, get feedback from them. Um, and then know your goals, uh, set clear goals for yourself and, and pursue it. So not to say that those goals, you know, aren't uh, fungible, you know, you can take some, uh, uh, some uh, career changes uh, from time to time, but, um, you know, you've got to, You've got to set those goals and just be absolutely uh, aggressive, you know, in, in uh, pursuing them. Uh, network, network, network. I, I, I'll tell you, the one thing I've learned is that the, the executives who have strong networks, and, and by strong, I mean, not just vertically within their industry, but horizontally across industries. Uh, at, you know, as high a level as possible, but, um, you know, develop those networks throughout your career. It's not in a, a singular event. It's, it's a career long uh, progression and you will get payback from, from that network. And then I would say, finally, um, uh, be thankful. Your, fu your future self should be thankful uh, for what you've achieved and give back give back to the community, uh, to, um, you know, others that may be less fortunate um, and, and really give them a sense of uh, you're there to help them and, and to support them and to pay it forward, right? Uh, and I, I always tell, you know, young people that I work with, because I, I love to do that. I've, I've worked with uh, uh, some people in their 20s that are uh, coming out of graduate school and trying to figure out, or in graduate school, trying to think about their new roles. And I've taught some, um, uh, some classes on this. And it's just fascinating to work with these folks. And uh, I, I uh, you know, and I always have a, a kind of a personal uh, connection to them. And I always tell them to, you know, pay it forward, even as you're rising up through the ranks. Um, you know, understand that there are people that are really struggling to understand how to do this below you and, uh, and, and help them. That's good advice. That's good advice. Well, Hugh, I, I, want, I want you to know that personally, I have great admiration for you. And I, I endorse and, and am great, great admirer of the valuable services that you've you, you provide and how you've evolved over the years into things other than just career transition, but in the important levels of coaching, assessment, succession planning, and the like. And you've, you've created, you and Gail created a firm, uh, Shields Manili, I have mispronounced it, uh, as one of the best in the business. And that's what you're recognized for. And so, but tell us before we end here, uh, Hugh, how someone can get in touch with you. Right, so um, you can get a hold of me. Um, you know, uh, you're welcome to look at uh, shieldsmanili.com. Uh, it has uh, my uh, uh, contact information in there, um, uh, and uh, you can uh, connect connect through us at uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, Shields Manili has a um, has a site on uh, LinkedIn as well as uh, uh, as I do. So just uh, check out my profile. And uh, if you'd like to have a discussion, I'm always open to uh, talking to anyone. I, uh, that's what I love to do. Just like you, Charlie, I can tell. We both, uh, <laughs> we both love to uh, see how people uh, tick and how they think and 
uh, just get it, get inside that mind to help them. Absolutely. And, and one thing, ain't it fun to do what you love and what you're good at? Absolutely. That's the key. That is absolutely the key to uh, a healthy and successful life. And, and I believe to longevity, uh, you know, because I'll probably be doing this, uh, uh, you know, to one degree or another uh, for a long time, as long as I can do it. Uh, just because of uh, that juice that uh, you've described very well uh, that you get from uh, helping uh, people to be become greater than what they think themselves. Well, I can certainly tell you, Hugh, that uh, you're somebody that just exudes that, that confidence and that enthusiasm, and that's one of the reasons that you've been so successful. So I want to thank you, Hugh, for being our guest today on It's All About Skills. And as for me, I'm an internationally certified career coach, and I specialize in career management, skill development, career crises, and positive intelligence. And you can get in touch with me through my websites, charliejetcoaching.com. Or if you're interested in positive intelligence, we have a, another website called podcastpq.com. So I want to thank you all for listening today, and we'll see you next time as we discuss the critical skills on It's All About Skills. Thank you for listening to this episode of All About Skills. To learn more information about the critical skills, be sure to visit itsallaboutskills.com for access to resources like blogs, field studies, published books, and more about how to learn, how to use, and how to teach this important content. That's exclusively available on itsallaboutskills.com. We look forward to having you join us on the next episode so we can continue to help you learn, master, and excel by using critical skills right here on All About Skills.